I always ask, okay, who's impacted by this decision? And is it fair? During the budget process early on, we were with our transit staff and I was looking at the timing on routes. And I saw this one route that happened to be twice as long as the other routes. And I simply asked the question, who lives there? And who impacted by this disparity in our routing times? And it turned out that in that section, other people, working people live there. The most, the people most likely to be reliant upon a transportation system. So why should they be subject to a route timing twice as long as everybody else? And so what do you have to do to correct that? Welcome to Management Matters, a National Academy of Public Administration podcast where policy meets practice. I'm Terry Girton, President of the Academy. In June, we focus on our grand challenge to foster social equity. In this episode, I'll talk with Academy Fellow Michael Rogers about improving diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility at the city level. Michael is the Interim City Manager for Charlottesville, Virginia. He previously served as the city manager for Washington, D.C., and as the COO for the city of Petersburg, Virginia. Michael, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Terry. Glad to be with you. Well, as we focus this month on fostering social equity, I'd love to hear more about your personal journey in public administration. I mentioned in the introduction your city management positions, but you've also held positions in private industry and the nonprofit sector. What got you started? I grew up at the beginning of the civil rights uh, uh, movement. I grew up in Atlanta. Uh, My father was a a minister and he, his buddies were the the early leaders of of, of the civil rights movement. So fighting for impressing equality has been a part of my DNA since early in my uh, in my life, throughout my career, equality, opportunity for all has been a, a, a focus. In local government, I started with the, the um, International City and County Management Association in the seventies, early middle seventies, and headed a national program called the Minority executive placement program, the focus of which was to increase the number of uh, minorities and women in the pipeline for city management positions. And that program was very successful and was the early focus of opening the doors for minorities and women to the upper levels of, uh, of government. So that's, that's where I started in every position I've held in local government. It's been a a focus to make sure that there's a diversity of different types of shoes under the table. People who know me have know I've said that, that that you want people around your table who bring a different point of view, a different lived experience that can contribute to better public policy and decision making. So that's that's how I got started from my dad and his friends teaching me about the fight for equality and carrying that on through 
through high school. And in, in high school, you know, I, I was part of a class that integrated the Atlanta Public Schools in 1963. And uh, the early days were not a good experience because there was a big fight against us. So I understood what to, what it meant to be, uh, uh, as they say, clapped back at when you're trying to press a different point of view and a different strategy, you know, on the system, so to speak. I love that expression, the diversity of shoes under the table, because it so clearly reflects having different perspectives around the table. And I know you've brought your lived experience into so many of these positions because you you moved on from city management into corporate healthcare and really lots of other positions where you had an opportunity to, to bring that perspective. But now you're back in city management. You're the interim city manager, although I know you've been in that position almost 18 months now, so maybe it's not so interim anymore, in Charlottesville, Virginia, which is a really interesting community. It's an autonomous city, a college town, and of course, it's been in the headlines recently around racial relationships. What enticed you to take that job? What brought you back to the city management space? Well, I like challenges. (laughs) And um, I like to transform organizations. And the city of Charlottesville had been through a number of turnovers in top-level positions in government, including uh, the city manager. There had been a tumultuous relationship between council and the manager and and the city management staff over a period of years. And it was clear to me it was the community that needed stabilization. The council saw that. That's why they sought a city management consulting firm to provide interim services. And I was invited by my good friend and colleague, uh, Robert Bob, to um, stand up for this position. I landed here knowing that it was a uh, fractured organization, that what needed to be done was rebuild the trust between the, the staff and the council. Previous uh, relationships had just been, been been awful, you know, not to say who was the blame, but, you know, the, the fact is that not enough attention was placed on collaboration and, 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 and relationships. And this comes behind an incident that was not caused by the people of Charlottesville. There were others who came to this town pressing their own claim for a different kind of social justice that provided a feeling of fear and discomfort here. Uh, as a result, there was a citizen who who uh, was, uh, was killed as a part of this. This is part of the narrative. People were unsettled about that experience. There are local folk who, who felt that uh, the police department failed them and had not uh, done enough to to protect them. So there was a perceived breach between the police department and and residents, particularly residents in and more marginalized communities. Uh, so there was a lot of work to do to kind of get out of that history. And you you put on top of that that Charlottesville is one of the communities where urban renewal severely impacted a minority community obliterated it, essentially, and uh, to make way for new progress. But 
it destroyed a community. It's 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 uh, not unlike Greenwood in in Wilmington and some of the other places where this happened. But this happened as a part of urban renewal, and so there's some pain behind that. So there was a lot of work here to uh, make government work again. I like focusing on building fractured organizations and getting them back on center and stabilizing them. So that's what attracted me to to come here. I thought I could do some good. Well, that is a really tough problem set for someone who comes in with a temporary label as an interim, right? So you've got to be really bold and confident as you step into that space, knowing that you might not be the one who sees it all the way through. How challenging has that been for you? That's true. But um, I, I tell people that if you act like you're an interim, you won't get much done. That is great advice. <laughs> you know, you, you go in, you do the job that needs to be done. In any case, focus on leaving the organization better than you found it, no matter how long you've been there. With the support of council and, and staff been able to tackle some tough problems that have been laying around with no decisions for a long time. So, you know, one thing I know how to do is problem solve and get things moving. And that's what we've what we've done. Well, let's talk about some of that problem solving. Social equity is, of course, a pillar that guides the academy and the broader field of public administration. And when you were hired, I took note of a quote from one of the city council members who said he hoped that you could help them ensure there's real diversity in class, in race, in lived experience in the rooms we're in and incorporate that into every decision we're making. So as you reflect back on your 18 months already and think about what's coming up for you in the future, what has been most useful to you as you've worked there in Charlottesville to address those racial challenges? I think that one of the most important decisions that was made by the previous council was the creation of a deputy city manager for equity, diversity, and inclusion, which makes a statement about where the organization wants to go that the organization wants to be inclusive. There's always a perception that in government, there's systemic restrictions on on people, but that, that adversely impact people of color. And that in order to change that, you first have to make it a thing, that you want to change it and you will change it and keep the focus of the entire organization on the importance of changing your behavior toward each other and providing equal opportunity for all those who come to the government. And it's about equal opportunity. I mean, it's uh, uh, when we started out, it was about affirmative action that comes out of the civil rights movement, but it's evolved. It's not just about race, it's about gender, it's about preferences, et cetera. And it's about uh, abilities as well. You've got to make sure that the the organization is providing opportunity for, for those who have different abilities, differently abled, if you if, is, is the term, I think, 
make sure that there is an opportunity for equality in terms of pay among various uh, groups. Just because you are a man should not justify you getting better pay than your female counterpart who's just as qualified and can make just as great a contribution as you. So all of those issues are, are, are on the table and you have to talk about them, you have to uh, you have to monitor them, you have to have programs and that address uh, address those issues. At the uh, Social Equity Leadership Conference that we held in Kansas City last week, we had the first inaugural speaker in the new George Fredrickson lecture series recognizing the impact that George Fredrickson had on bringing equity into the public administration conversation, as you're just talking about. So it's Mr. Leonard Pitts. And one of the things he said, and he pulled uh, in a quote from George Fredrickson, is it's not enough to just talk about equity. And you won't be equitable if you just talk about it. You have to do it. And so it sounds like Charlottesville is committed to actually doing equitable things now that you have this position. Yes. And, and and part of that, you know, in terms of how you deliver city services as well, you've got to ask, I always ask, okay, who's impacted by this decision? And is it fair? There was one story during the budget process early on, we were with our, our transit staff and I was looking at the timing on routes. And I saw this one route that happened to be twice as long as the other routes. And I simply asked the question, who lives there? Mm -hmm. And who impacted by this disparity in our routing times? And it turned out that in that section of the people, working people live there. The most, the people most likely to be reliant on a transportation system. So why should they be subject to a route timing twice as long as everybody else. And so what do you have to do to correct that? You need more equipment, you need more people. And and we made that decision, uh, the budget uh, process. I called that the city manager's equity initiative. So it's, it's those kinds of uh, decisions up and down the line that you have to uh, ask yourself to make sure that all uh, people in the community are getting getting a fair shot. That's a great example. Are you seeing other places in city management where the equity perspective is really taking hold, where this initiative is changing behaviors? In terms of the agency heads uh, down in the organizations that provide services, they they get it and uh, will strive to make sure that there is equitable delivery of, of, of their services and social services. You see it all the time. And in terms of where they are reaching out to various uh, various programs to engage youth and embrace them, you know, through foster care program and focusing on that, I think we have one of the the highest rates of of placement with with families, you know, for foster kids, which is is a very wholesome way to, to keep kids on, on, on track. And we emphasize that that's, that's another area where we, where we do it. 
That's really great to hear. I want to go back to something you mentioned up at the beginning around trust. The Academy recently worked with Montgomery County in Maryland to institutionalize DEIA considerations for their fire and rescue service. And I know you mentioned issues of trust with the police force. Charlottesville's just recently hired a new police chief and you're recruiting to hire a fire chief. What do you see perhaps as some useful efforts and activities to build the foundation and sustain momentum for racial equity in these critical public facing departments that helps not only improve their performance, but rebuild trust with the communities that they serve? You have to be proactive. We've, we hired a chief who we thought exemplified that desire to bridge that gap in the community. And it's not just a talking point, but when he hit town, he started having walking sessions, you know, in, in various various communities, meeting people, understanding their, their issues, and making sure that uh, uh, officers are more, are more visible and they, they know people's names and community. All of that helps. In, in building uh, and building trust, it's, and it's just not a one-time thing. He does it every week. Right. <laughs> you know, I've, I've, I've been out there with him, and uh, it's such an important thing to show show up that you want to be trusted. You know, want the relationship, and that you're not just here for an afternoon. But he's created a a citizens advisory council where he's brought in people from uh, the community with that lived experience to advise him on how to continue to be connected. The city established a police oversight uh, board, and that's another uh, activity that shows a commitment to making sure that there's equality so that if there is, you know, misconduct, there's a structured way for it to be handled, that citizens have a way to file their complaints and have it prosecuted through and heard through a, a structured process. PCOB is a good co- component, a uh, significant component of helping us rebuild that trust in the community. But the officers being out there, uh, connecting with uh, the community and being consistent about it is really the way that, that, that helped create that path toward restoring trust. Well, those are some really practical steps. So thank you for sharing those. I want to switch to a little bit more nerdy question (laughs) Um, and ask you about intergovernmental collaboration because on matters of equity it really seems to the academy from its seat that working across levels of government seems to be especially important in making real headway because individual locations might make progress but if regionally and collectively there's not sort of a similar pace, you really have a risk of of isolating your progress. So I'm curious, with Charlottesville, because you are this autonomous city, how do you and how does the city council work with Virginia state government and the cities around you to align and reinforce your efforts to foster social equity? Well, you know, we have the University of uh, Virginia here. It's kind of like that. That, that other separate autonomous <laughs> government. And, and we have Albemarle County. Three of us work together collaboratively to, to address issues in the community. 
Charlottesville, like a lot of cities, uh, had recently had a spike in uh, in gun violence. Of course, uh, the university experienced a tragic situation where three students lost their lives on campus. And when these kind of things happen, there there is a there's a fear that develops in the community. People feel unsafe. And so government has to do something. You just can't just sit there and talk about it. You've got to meet with those who can contribute to the solution and come up with concrete ways of addressing this. So the president invited uh, the city and the county to submit, uh, to send people to a, a gun violence task force. That's, of course, looking at issues of equity within communities because sometimes, you know, the whole gun violence uh, stories with, with youth is because of a lack of opportunity in their communities and a lack of engagement and things to do. So the kind of conversation that we're having across the three jurisdictions, three entities, is, you know, what can we do together to uh, improve the situation? And so that's an equity you know, equity conversation uh, as well. And, you know, to the extent that the city is successful in identifying, you know, candidates for senior positions across all spectrums, you know, that uh, you're all in a competitive labor place. So we've lost, <laughs> we've lost some to, <laughs> to the university and to the county. I mean, <laughs> kind of a feeder system kind of, you know. Sure. I can imagine that that is a challenge. And as we hear across so many communities, the chief diversity officer is a position of high turnover already. So the ability to bring your communities together and share best practices and share initiatives has got to be helpful in the process. Right. It is. And, you know, you you, you have to stay with it. You know, it's not a one-time conversation. You know, it's 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 a journey. It really is. It, it because every time you you make progress, you realize how much farther you have to go. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I know we've been talking a lot about Charlottesville, but you've been in city management in several different communities, all of which had very different profiles. Are there some universal themes or guiding principles that you would share about things that leaders need to consider when they're pursuing DEI initiatives at the city level? One important thing is establishment of your values for, for for DEI. You know, that needs to be a clear policy statement from the top. It needs to be a clarion call to the organization. This is who we are, and this is what we expect people to do so that you adjust your hiring process to make sure that it is unbiased, that you include people from across the organization and not one that will necessarily favor just the internal candidates. You need to um, identify in your boards and commissions, making sure that you are recruiting people uh, for the various commissions that you have that have a diverse backgrounds and can contribute to the direction of the city. And that includes, you know, includes all people. That's a nominating process. That's a recruitment process that councils need to take a look at and 
be on top of to make sure that their entire citizen engagement uh, infrastructure is focused on on equity and, and inclusion of all people in in the community because everybody has something to contribute. You know, as I'm listening to you describe those steps, it strikes me that we're really maybe still in the process of building strong foundations in DEI. But as we do that work, as you've just described, intentionally engaging communities and bringing people of different perspectives to the table, that that will build in DEI as a natural part of our processes going forward. So as we wrap up, uh, let me ask you to get your crystal ball out for a minute and think about and, and tell us what about the DEIA initiative or agenda of the moment gives you hope for the future or maybe pause? Well, agenda gives me gives me hope because I think people are beginning to understand that in this country or in any community, it's made up of different kinds of people with different kinds of lived experiences and different kinds of aspirations. But we all want to thrive. We all want to do better. And for the most part, I think we all want to help each other and help each other thrive. So keeping a focus on how do we provide a system where everybody can thrive is important. And I'm very hopeful about that. And and that means people who are differently able. That means people who are unhoused that need assistance, you know, to get to a different level and, and how the community can embrace them and help move them to a different level so that they can make the contribution that they're capable of making and that they can provide for their families, you know, et cetera. All of that is very important as a part of the the equity mix and action plan, I think. Well, Michael, I think that really just sums up your perspective and your commitment to this issue. I just want to thank you, A, for joining me on the podcast today, but B, for that commitment and your persistence in trying to make a difference in the communities you work in. Thanks for coming back into the city management space. It sounds like you really are making a difference there in Charlottesville. And so thank you for sharing your experiences with us on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you, Derek. And I appreciate the Academy too and what you're doing. Well, thank you. For our listeners, check back every Monday for a new episode from the Academy as we work to build a just, fair, and inclusive government that strengthens communities and protects democracy.